We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. Welcome, Emma, to Pep Talks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. You have some great people come and join you on your show. So it's very it's an honour to well, be one of them. Likewise, we feel really privileged to have you here today. You're, you're doing such incredible things. So I'm excited to download your knowledge into this podcast for, for our listeners. Now, I wonder if you could start off maybe telling us a little bit about you and, and Enterprise Nation for those that don't already know about it. I wonder where they're living if they don't already know about it. But please, maybe download a little bit for those that don't. Of course. So my name's Emma Jones. I'm founder of Enterprise Nation. Um, I started the business ooh, 10 to 15 years ago. It feels like a very long time now. Um, but we are a business that helps other people start and grow their own successful business. And um, just as many other small businesses have done, we have pivoted ourselves in the past 12 months. So I guess pre-COVID, we were quite a physical company. So the way in which we would get support to small businesses was we ran lots of physical events. You know, in 2019, we'd run 500 plus events up and down the UK, helping small businesses. That feels like a a very distant memory. Um, But very much the heart of the business now is we are a platform. So an online platform that connects small businesses to support. And if you were to say, well, what kind of support does that mean? It connects businesses to content. So we have thousands of blog posts on lots of different topics from accounting to social media. Uh, We connect small businesses to advisors, to big corporate brands and to programs that are funded by the government. So if you imagine I'm a small business, I'm thinking of starting and how do I grow? I've got lots of different questions every day. The job of Enterprise Nation is to make sure that we've got answers for you or we can connect you to people who have got those answers. I just love your platform. I'm I'm a user of it. I've been uh, honoured to be able to actually contribute to the platform too. And, you know, I totally recommend it to anybody listening. We've got all the links uh, to Enterprise Nation and to Emma down below the broadcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast on. So please do click through, follow their social media. I think you'll get inspired and you'll learn a lot. So Emma, can I just ask you, how did um, how did you start this business? I mean, it's uh, you know, 15 years, you said. I mean, that's that's incredible amount of time to invest in a platform that gives so much. But how did you um, how did you get started? Well, it came from uh, that. First of all, I had a first business. So um, I guess brief background is uh, the only job pretty much that I ever had is I worked for a big accounting firm when I left university called Arthur Anderson. And my job at Arthur Anderson was to help uh, big international companies decide on where they were going to locate in the UK. So I set up for Arthur Anderson an inward investment unit. And uh, in the year 2000, which uh, you will probably recall, Simon, um, was the height of the dot-com boom. I was very inspired by all the media and the environment. It was a hugely entrepreneurial time in the UK. And I left what I guess was so-called a safe job uh, to start my first company, which was a business called Teclicate.com. And I'd run that business for 15 months. It was a very kind of quick, I guess, success story because... Um, 15 months into the business, we had an approach from a bigger company who essentially went on to acquire us. So within two years, I'd started, grown and then exited that first business, Teclicate.com. And Enterprise Nation came about because 
when we were acquired, the business that acquired us um, essentially put in what's called a lock-in clause. So it meant that I worked for the acquiring business for 18 months post the acquisition. And I did definitely work for them. But I also at that time read a brilliant book uh, called Free Agent Nation. So it's written by a US man called Dan Pink. At the time, he just left uh, being a speechwriter for Al Gore, and he wrote this incredible book, which still sits on my shelf today, um, which essentially charted the rise of the self-employed in the US. And what Dan Pink was saying is, you know, lots of people were starting their own business. The US was incredibly entrepreneurial, and yet there wasn't really an infrastructure to support people with their entrepreneurial ambitions. And so what he was looking at is, could the US count the number of um, self-employed better? Because at the time they were sort of more focused on looking at agricultural data as opposed to kind of data of new startups. Could self-employed people have like talent agents to help them win work? And I was fascinated by this book and I thought, Do you know, I think the same thing is going to happen in the UK. I think the UK will follow the US lead. I think more people will start businesses in Britain. And again, this was back in 2004. And uh, therefore, because of that, I suppose my kind of great belief that Britain would show itself as an entrepreneurial nation, I literally bought the domain Enterprise Nation and started the business to do just what it does still do today, which is that kind of let's encourage people to have the confidence to start a business and then absolutely, truly, let's hopefully help and support them through that journey. So the idea came about from a first experience of my own business. Definitely Dan Pink is a big influence. And his book, by the fact, I mean, you can tell partly where the name of Enterprise Nation comes from. His book was called Free Agent Nation. It's not a million miles apart to figure out where I got Enterprise Nation from. So, yeah, that was kind of the motive. And I guess what you could say is kind of fast forward to 2021. The UK, sure enough, is an incredibly enterprising place and businesses kind of need support more than ever. Absolutely. And uh it's it's your your journey is is amazing. I know in uh, two, this year you you awarded the CBE for service to small businesses and entrepreneurs, and I just couldn't think of anybody that deserves it more. You've done so much uh, for this nation, and uh, I really um, personally want to thank you for helping so many people. I was just looking at the numbers, and it might it might be slightly out of date, so feel free to correct me. But seventy five thousand people in your network who 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 you are supporting and. That, that's just incredible, just incredible. And so I still... So one, thing, one thing we should do is take our own advice to update our own figures. So it is more than that now. So it's always like that kind of being a doctor is you never take your own medicine. So we should definitely be updating well, tell me, what, what is the present, so what is for flagging that. What is the present number in the ecosystem? It's, tell me. Do you remember? Well, so we count lots of different metrics, but over the past 12 months, we had over half a million small businesses come onto the platform looking for support. Um, I guess day to day, we communicate with about 130 to 140,000 small businesses across social via our newsletter. We've got thousands of businesses each day engaging with advisors. So, and, and you know, this is something, and, and maybe we'll go on to talk about this, but one of the things that COVID has delivered is essentially many, many more small businesses are looking for essential advice and support because it's at a time when they do need it. So, you know, in a way, Enterprise Nation had spent years gearing up to deliver that support and businesses have said, okay, this is the time where I need it. So yeah, the the kind of stats have risen for a reason you wouldn't necessarily want them to, but um, yeah, lots more people looking for that advice. I mean, you're also one of the co-founders of Startup Britain, which is another organisation. It's just just in your blood to to build structures to support 
people and their businesses really isn't it it sounds a little bit insane doesn't it i almost i i'm um i think it's partly what lockdown has delivered that we're all reflecting and i think part of me is reflecting at the moment to say should i kind of do something different but you're right it's and you know quite often you get a question of why do you do what you do? Because um, Enterprise Nation is a scaling business at the moment. We've been growing at 40% plus for the past three years. You know yourself, Simon, that when you're a sole founder, that can put quite a bit of pressure and responsibility on you to kind of just keep going. And I have to say sort of, you know, when sometimes even if family members kind of say, you know, what is it that keeps you going? I know it sounds trite, but for me, it absolutely is hearing from small businesses who say, if it wasn't for Enterprise Nation, I wouldn't have got the support I need. And I just, you know, always have to stay rooted in. That's the thing that kind of really drives me. And as you say, um, Startup Britain was a very special experience, actually, because it was, dare I say, a moment in time in the UK where we had an incredibly supportive political system. So from the prime minister down, everyone was incredibly supportive of boosting startup rates in the UK. So it was a really unique moment in which we did launch that kind of um, campaigning organisation. Uh, but fortunately now, kind of startup entrepreneurship, it's kind of in the DNA of British people now. So Startup Britain was of its moment, but hopefully, um, you know, infrastructure and organisations like that maybe not needed so much because British people just do it naturally now. Absolutely. No, it's, um, it, it is, and, and we are, uh, the UK itself is a very entrepreneurial nation in, in my mind, but, but I also agree, and I still think it's, it's still the issue today, there isn't enough infrastructure around to help people start businesses, um, which is the thing I'm focused on very much so, trying to help people you know, not wait for a job, but create one for themselves. And, and somewhat the education system has been geared up to you getting a job. And so when there isn't a job, um, I think there is now more than ever an imperative need for infrastructure like yours to to help people that do start businesses, um, you know, build build out. I mean, it's not easy. And so even yourself, an experienced entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur, you still have doubts. So do I. And I think that's important to talk about that sort of stuff and, and for people to feel free to, you know, air their, their concerns about existing businesses that they've got. And, 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 and it's not easy. It's not easy. So I'm so grateful to have platforms like yours around that that help. Now, I wanted to get into the main theme from, for this podcast for today, tips and tricks for small businesses. Now, given the experience you've had, I mean, is there anything that jumps out that, you know, listeners today wanted to start a business that they should definitely think about, you know, not hesitate to think about? And are there any tricks you think, um, the ones you've seen that have done really well that we can we can all learn from today? I'm not quite sure if I call them tricks. Um, <laughs> it kind of it gives you this idea that you're this magician and you come out with a white rabbit and you have great success in business, which if only it were that easy. But yeah, there's, I mean, we definitively, and you know, this is again, the kind of great um, sort of privilege that we've had of supporting so many small businesses, you start to see some key characteristics that are standard across those that kind of do well. Um, and I always put this one first, but any ability to, uh, hustle and make sales. I always put pretty much as kind of the number one item. And I'll never forget, Simon, it was, um, I think when pretty much when I started my first business, kind of a US professor of entrepreneurship, just kind of he, Ken Morse, his name was this brilliant professor. And even though he was very academic, I will never forget him saying, you know, Emma, if you're not making sales in business, then you don't have a business. And uh, even though it sounds incredibly basic, um, certainly some of the better entrepreneurs that I see are brilliant at um, sealing deals. They're very good at knowing what their product is and 
you know, the terminology now, and, and it makes me feel very old, but I've seen the terminology shift over the years. But the big thing that people talk about now is what is the problem you're trying to solve? So have you come up with a product that solves a problem for your customers? And if so, you know, that is the basis for a great business. So I think Number one, you know, great entrepreneurs are very good at finding that product market fit. Um, second thing, which I know it sounds terribly basic and almost a little bit boring, but I think it's really kind of come true over the past 12 months that you need to have a handle on it is entrepreneurs who've got a handle on the figures. Um, and the number of times at Enterprise Nation, we attract um, a very creative group of small businesses. So sort of big segments of our community are fashion entrepreneurs, food and drink entrepreneurs, people starting digital marketing businesses. And many times I'll hear the word say, you know, I've started a business because I love baking or fashion design. I don't enjoy the businessy bits. And you know that kind of what's meant by the businessy bits is the money. You know, so how much have you got coming in? What's the cost of what you're making, etc. So I think if you've got a good handle on the figures, it makes for a good, solid business. And then, of course, the third item, which, again, just business owners that we see who take it seriously and who do it well um, seem to succeed, is those who have great respect for the teams with which they're working. So, you know, uh, form a great place to work and hopefully your customers will be happy because your team are at the front line of dealing with customers. So, as I say, it sounds terribly basic, but I, I do kind of think those sales, understanding of the finance, making sure you treat your people well. If you get those three things right, you find that kind of lots else follows. Your product gets better, your customers get happier, your finances get stronger. But those three uh, business basics, I still find to this day, are the core of uh, what makes people successful. I just couldn't agree more. It's uh, and, and I don't I don't think you can reiterate the three points you've just mentioned enough. One of the things that I see way too often at the moment, I'm worried for people, is they read the headlines that this company raised 100 million or 200 million. And that seems to be the first thing that people want to do. And, and sales has almost become somewhat of like a dirty word, as if sales is how it used to be done. And I think then people get caught out because ironically, investors, for example, and I am an investor, so I, I can you know say this with, from my own experience, is that you actually kind of want to see traction, you know, and, and therefore, if you've got sales, actually, if you get sales right, you don't need an investor. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's a lot better to have a client paying you than give away equity in your business. So the, the market's been a bit distorted. And so I, I think sales is so crucial. And I'm, I'm always shocked when it's not like a key focus for businesses and they think that it's just going to happen on its own <laughs> and somehow people are going to find out about their product you know they'll build it and they will come model which is just it's it's rare even these days that you can build las vegas and people don't come so you know it really <laughs> is important to have sales and, and i think sales is such an art form such a, a beautiful thing it feeds people and it should be given more respect so i'm 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 really actually personally happy to hear that it's kind of like number one on the list and I think anyone listening out there, you can build a business on sales and have no money. You can have no money, sell something. And if you work the cash flow properly, which is your second point, know your numbers, you can build a business with no money. So a lot of people I know, uh, probably um, on your platform and on, on definitely on ours, come to us and say, we want to start a business, we don't have any money. And quite often it's that they haven't got a sale yet. <laughs> And, and you don't need a fancy brochure to get a sale. You don't even need a fancy website to get a sale. Sometimes you just need a good product and a relationship that you can build up with someone, right? So, so important. And I love the know your numbers. Again, personal experience. I, my first couple of businesses, I didn't have an accountant. What a mess. 
what a mess it was because I'm so bad at numbers. <laughs> and then I hired an accountant. Best investment I ever made was hiring a good accountant. And the second thing I found fascinating about hiring an accountant, and you're late, I know, is that my accountant became my best salesperson. Why? Because that was a CFO. They go have lunches with other CFOs. And they'd be saying, oh, I'm working in this company at the moment called Fluid, and they're doing these really interesting things. And then those CFOs would go back to their CEOs and, and say, tell them. <laughs> then the CEOs would call me up, right? So, so everyone is your salesperson. Everyone is a salesperson. And knowing your numbers, if you get a good accountant, they can become your salespeople. And then the happy team thing, I mean, it's also, like you say, um, it, it, it's, um, it might seem um, cliche, I guess, but, but if you can get that culture right, which is another thing I've noticed about Enterprise Nation. I've having spoken to a lot of your team. That the culture is just awesome. They really care about the community you're trying to help, and that just resonates with suppliers and partners and 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 and, and the people, of course, looking for help. But it's it's not something necessarily that um, a lot of people do focus on, right? They focus on the client. So anyway, I think I'm just repeating what you said, uh, and kind of in in in, in, uh, in <laughs> beautifully um, so. Well, no, I just you know I just love the way you put things, and then um, and, and then and let's talk about this. Uh, what problem you're solving? This is always one. People are trying to come up with ideas, and I'm not wanting to put you on the spot. But do you think there's anyone out there solving problems, and you can see right, you know, that's going to be the next you know big business because they're solving a big problem. Any company that stands out to you is like, wow, they're really solving a problem, and they're going to be big. Well, this sounds like a bit of an, an escapist kind of answer. The, uh, the ones that truly impress me are the ones who are doing it brilliantly now. And I have to say, and I'm really sorry because they are two very large companies, but it shows that they're doing it brilliantly well. Amazon is one. And um, I have read, I mean, Amazon is very, um, it's a very close client of ours. I have read so much about, you know, Jeff Bezos's philosophy when he started that company, how they've grown. And what you cannot knock that company for because they do it incredibly well is their absolute obsession is the customer. And the problem that they were trying to solve for the customer was how do you get, uh, well, I was going to say cheap products, but products at a valuable, decent price, incredibly quickly with a wide selection of choice. And they talk at Amazon about this flywheel. And so they put the heart, the customer is at the heart of this flywheel. And what they say is, if we can get good prices, incredible convenience, mass selection to our customers, they will just keep on coming back and the flywheel just spins quicker. So they hugely solved a problem for customers. And of course, they've done incredibly well um, from that over the past 12 months. And the other one is Uber. You know, again, people were looking to travel around and, and then get food delivered to them. And, and that could be seen as a problem. And, and they said, right, how can we harness technology and friction-free infrastructure, which of course is just the incredible thing about their model is just not owning anything, but just purely making the connection between the person with the problem and the person who'd got that solution. And so I know that they're kind of two big companies, but I, I guess um, just my message in that actually, and, and I know this is a podcast, but Simon, you can see this kind of massive long bookshelf behind me is um, for entrepreneurs to never stop learning from essentially businesses that they think are the best. Um, I'm heading back into the office quite a bit at the moment. And because the tube is empty, I've got like a good 40 minute read time whenever I head into the office. And I'm um, reading a book at the moment called Modern Monopolies. And it's just if you should just constantly be looking at how do these, dare I say, big companies do it well. And I'm not saying that every small company should become a big company. Far from it, because you lose a lot of things as well when you become big. But what the big companies have perfected is what is the problem for the customer? How do we solve it? And there's so much to learn from them. So, yeah, I think um, 
I appreciate they're the large corporates, but they'd be two pretty fine examples of how they've managed to get product market fit. I again, I uh, love love the point, and and I love the the two examples you've given there. And I know a lot of my listeners might be, you know, um, and I can feel it even when you're saying it. Oh, you know, Amazon, blah blah blah. I think uh, that, that that you've got to admire these companies. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, they have solved a problem, as you've said. And I think that what's really interesting for me, um, having gone through lots of business builds myself, is how these companies will actually partner up with you, how they will actually work with you, and they're not. The PR on them as the big evil corporations is sometimes uh, overblown. And when you start dealing with the individuals inside those companies, and I know you do work with Amazon, I've worked with a lot of big corporates as well, and, and the people inside these companies, often they care. They care about their customer, and they will work hard to help people. And I know Amazon is an example. They help a lot of small businesses. And they, they have a vested interest in those businesses too. Well. And I don't think people realize that. Uh- and I was going to say, and that's a reason, again, if, if anyone's kind of thinking, oh, how can like someone called Emma Jones run a business called Enterprise Nation and reference two large companies is this is a point we make to government quite often is these large technology companies have been incredible enablers of entrepreneurship. So, as you say, over half the sales made on Amazon come from small businesses. We ran a program for Uber a couple of weeks ago called Uber Business Builder, which is where all of their earners were offered an opportunity to pitch for money to build their own business. So, of course, everyone who's making money on the Uber platform is self-employed, helping entrepreneurship. Facebook and Instagram, massive enabler of entrepreneurship. So, you know, without these platforms, they have literally become the digital rails on which thousands if not millions of people have started new businesses so you're absolutely right you know we can champion them because effectively they work well but also they enable entrepreneurship to thrive it's nice to have the conversation about this uh, because i think it's just not talked about enough i mean on the other side i think that these companies you know, amazon was up against you know all the big bookshops and uh, and, and and then walmart and and they, 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 they came through to, that you could argue, win, right? That means that anyone listening today, you can be the next Amazon. You know, it, it, what's the evolution? What's the next step? Um, I've been a bit obsessed with something called BitClout lately. Do you know it? I do not know it. Has it got anything to do with Bitcoin? It's linked in a way. It's a cryptocurrency of its own. But, um, but I, I can see that it's basically giving uh, creators a chance to monetize in a whole new way. That's my interpretation of the system. There's a lot of controversy around it at the moment. But but I see these platforms uh, that are solving a problem for people. And in this particular example, they're a cryptocurrency that is linked to a social network that is linking itself to uh, individuals. And so, for example, I, um, I, I have a my own coin on the platform and it's gone from zero value to $520 US in value. And I own those coins. So as it's like owning your own Bitcoin, right? And then you see it go up in value. And, and if you are out there right now trying to start a business from scratch, you can actually just go on that system, put up your coins for sale. And every time someone buys your coins, you get a percentage of the sale. So anyway, it's things like this, to your point, that's that's completely changing the game. And there'll be people that hear BitClout. I know I've already had this because I put a video out about it and be like, oh, it's a scam. You know, another big company trying to control us and blah, blah, blah. And the other side of it will be people that embrace change, to your point, learn lean in try these things don't judge and 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 that's those are the ones that win right the kind of optimistic 
mindset that you're you're highlighting there and the learning is so crucial so it's uh it, it's it's so true now i know um we only have you for a short time because i know how busy you are um, and I, I just wanted to ask you mentioned earlier that you know you and we all do this as entrepreneurs we reflect you know you spent a long time building this platform you know what would you do what could you do and of course you're drawn back into doing what you love and, and that's enterprise nation but if you were to start again just what would you do would you any anything that jumps into your mind i'd, I'd go and do this or i'd go and do that is anything that, that, that comes to you well it not at this stage only because i've got so much more to do with this one and uh so we're we're on kind of our next growth spurt at enterprise nation and, and it's funny simon i said to one of the team the other day um, I cannot die happy until we've perfected our own product and then taken it into international markets. So almost until we've done that, I can't even contemplate. I mean, I guess what I would do if I wasn't running Enterprise Nation would be invest in other startups. One thing that running a business hasn't given me as much time as I would have wanted in the past couple of years is um, the campaigning on behalf of small businesses to government. So you know, when I ran Startup Britain, we were quite vocal in the early days of Enterprise Nation. We were very vocal. But again, you know how it works when you're CEO and founder and you're running, running a growing business, you're very much in the business. And therefore, that means you can't be so um, as external as you would like. So I think they would be if I had more time freed up um, representing the views of small business, particularly at the moment, there's a a couple of things I'm seeing in government that make me feel a little bit unsettled. Um, and so it would be kind of doing that. But as I say, we're, we're pretty heads down and focused for the next 18 months on making sure that the platform does what it should do for small businesses and the support community. And we've expanded to Ireland this year, which we're looking to kind of create an international playbook around if we can make that work, can we look into, because of course there's entrepreneurs in every territory. Um, and so that's just another area of potential growth for us. So I've just got those few things to kind of um, get sorted. And then I think we'll probably kind of look at our options as a business. And dare I say, I'll look at my options as an individual and, and figure out what comes next. I'm thinking Prime Minister. That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm seeing not, it. I'm, I'm not it. so sure. From I'm a small it. business, if it was only to deal with small business, then then fair enough. But well, uh, there's, <laughs> there's many other things that person has to deal with. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Britain is a business, you know, in a way. Um, you could argue in the global context, it's a small business. So um, I wonder if I can talk you into that. Um, that that that, uh, that you'd you'd be an amazing leader for, for for this country. But anyway, another time. And certainly, right now, you're on a, you're on your present mission to complete the support system Enterprise Nation offers up. So I'll let you do that. Um, that's 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 a good thing for the nation, right there. But just to finish up before we let you go, um, I, I always um, with a lot of our audiences, young people coming out of university looking to start a business, perhaps well, we're trying to help them do that. And so, um, if you went back to the younger Emma and, and gave some advice, what would it be? I know exactly what this one would be, only because the younger Emma was terrible at doing it. And my advice would be take advice. And so and the, the reason why and, and first of all, there are so many young people at the moment who are absolutely primed for entrepreneurship, technology enabled, incredibly creative, brilliant at self-promotion. So, you know, we have got this generation that's just ready and, and willing and able to be entrepreneurs. But I will never forget when I started Teclicate.com, um, an older, wiser entrepreneur said to me, you know, Emma, it's great that you're kind of starting this business, but you really should get a mentor. You know, you should get some advice. 
And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I don't need that. I can figure it out myself. Anyway, the one thing that it's taken me far too long to understand is the value of taking advice. And, you know, Simon, you've mentioned it before of, you know, take advice from an accountant on the figures in the business. And, and, I, and I'm saying as a founder, know everything about your business. But we talk a lot at Enterprise Nation, uh, the concept of focus on what you do best and outsource the rest. So as the founder, of course, you've got to have the knowledge of the figures, but hire an accountant to do the actual kind of ins and outs because they're the one who's qualified in it. So to my younger self and to any young people, I would say you've got the skills and the talent to start a business, but surround yourself with a support network of advisors. And it's not just an age thing. I'm not just saying surround yourself with older people who've done it. Just surround yourself with people who are experts in areas of the business that you're not. And so, yeah, I, I wish I'd done that a little bit earlier. Good advice. And uh, I, I'm a sole founder too. So um, I, I love talking to other sole founders that think the same, have the same moral code. And I just, I just love your vision and what you're doing. So thank you again for joining us today and sharing your knowledge. And um, yeah, it's been wonderful to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Simon. And I'm going to keep listening to the shows, but thanks so much for having me as a guest. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by The Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and The Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.